Wallace family. I'm so honored and privileged to get to be here in front of you guys this morning to be able to dig into God's word together. Just sitting there during that song, just to be able to sing those words, we are your people and you are our God. What an honor and a privilege that is to get to be children of God. I hope those weren't just words coming out of your lips, but that you meant that in your heart this morning. And maybe for some of you, if you've become callous to that truth, that you need resurrender this morning. That you need to be not walking, but you need to be running to resurrender to a holy God who wants to make you more like him every single day for the rest of your life. So as we begin this morning, we're going to be continuing uh, this series called A Better Hope, and we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and if you don't know, my name is Matt Crabtree. I'm our student pastor here, and uh, I get to talk with students all the time. And I'm just blown away constantly by uh, how busy they are, by how many activities that they're involved in, whether it's clubs or sports and the arts and everything else. And it used to just blow my mind. I was like, why are they so busy? I wasn't like that until I really thought back at high school and I realized that I was the exact same way as them. I love sports. I love student government. I love the technology club. I was a little bit of a nerd. And basically anything that I could get involved in that would allow my extroverted self to be around people and to be doing stuff that I was interested in. But probably the one thing that I was most known for around the school, despite being involved in lots of different things, was that I was the video guy at Bearden High School. My friend BT and I, we were the editors of our school news show that aired each week. And we were always around the school, capturing different events and activities and interviewing people and just trying to capture everything that was going on at Bearden High. But the only negative thing about being the video guy in the early 2000s is that I'm old enough to say that it was a time where phones didn't have video cameras. I say that in front of our students, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you are so old. But we did not have video cameras on our phones. We didn't have apps on our phones that made videos. And so when someone in our school needed a video made, they came to us. And you can imagine the minds of high schoolers and the kinds of videos that they would come up with and come to us with that we would need to make. But probably the most unique thing I was asked to film was something called the Chocolate Milk Mile. The Chocolate Milk Mile. And the Chocolate Milk Mile was essentially this group of talented, kind of all-county, all-state, track and cross-country stars from the area who all came together for this challenge of running a mile, which for them normally would be pretty easy. Cross-country runners run miles, and track stars, they, a mile is nothing. But they had the extra challenge of between every lap, they would have to chug a big old glass of chocolate milk. It was awful. You can imagine, as they began running, I began watching, uh, the first lap was pretty easy for them. They made it around the first lap, got that first glass of chocolate milk in them, and were, a lot of them got pretty confident. They're like, I can do this. And then came lap two, and that second glass of chocolate milk. And you can see as they're running, they're holding their stomachs, and they're holding their mouths. And, and then lap three, and lap four. And I'll spare you the details of what happened, but it was rough for them. This race became harder for them because the runners were hindered by the chocolate milk that they were consuming. They couldn't focus on the race itself because they were just focused on keeping the chocolate milk down 
and not getting sick. And as we open God's word, as we look throughout scripture, we read how our life as a believer is often compared to a race. Probably most famously in 2 Timothy 4.7, as Paul writes to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And I don't know about you, but a competitive race to me is something that's not easy. It's not something you could just easily just get up today, drive to a track, and compete in without any prep, without any training, and do pretty well. If you can, I'm super impressed. I'm not one of those people. But it's already going to be hard enough doing this race. So the last thing you would want to do, and the last thing that I would want to do, is to add anything that's going to hinder me and make this race any harder. I wouldn't want to add a 50-pound weight vest as I ran this race, just for fun. I wouldn't want to get something and a weight and tie it around my ankle and run this race just for fun, just to say I did it. And I most definitely wouldn't want to chug several glasses of chocolate milk as I ran around this track uh, and as I ran. I would want to be able to focus on running. I would want to run free, not hindered by anything. And I would want to run focused on the race ahead. And that's exactly the way our passage in Hebrews describes how we are supposed to run this race of life as Christians, free and focused. Run free and run focused. Spoiler alert, those are your two points today. For those of you that like to take notes, if you want to get ahead of the game, our points today are run free and run focused. And those are also our action points this morning. But what exactly does that look like in the life of a believer to run free and to run focused? And that's where we're going to dig into God's word to find the answer. And so we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So if you could stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word this morning. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. You can be seated. So like I said earlier, our first point is run free. Run free. And it begins here in the very first verse, in verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And so throughout scripture, when you're reading God's word, and you see this word therefore, it's always good to let, take a look back and see what the writer is connecting. And so in this case, if we go back to chapter 11, it's going to help us connect to see what's going on in chapter 12. And when we look back in chapter 11, we see that it is a chapter all about faith. It is all about faith. What Pastor John preached on last week, it's a chapter all about faith. So there's obviously going to be a connection here between our faith and our freedom from whatever is hindering us in our walk as a Christian. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans uh, chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, he writes, But thank God that, although you used to be slaves of sin, 
you obeyed from the heart that the pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. We see here in this passage in Romans and throughout Scripture that our faith sets us free from the penalty of our sins. A lot of us know that. Our faith sets us free from the penalty of our sins. And while we have freedom from the penalty of our sins, we still have to deal with the problems of our sins this side of heaven. I'll say that again. While we have freedom from the penalty of our sins, we still have to deal with the problems of our sins this side of heaven. So the author of Hebrews, he's offering us encouragement as we begin this chapter. And he reminds us that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And this is him referencing back to all those people in the previous chapter who had faith in God. Who had faith in God even when it was hard. Even when it didn't make sense. Or even in a situation that seemed impossible to get out of. So we should be encouraged by the faith of these people that God used in mighty ways. Be encouraged by it and be reminded that the same God that these people had faith in, to split a sea wide open, to open the mouth of a lion, to quench the power of fire, is the same God that we worship and have surrendered our lives to and place our faith in today. And these heroes of our faith throughout chapter 11, they weren't perfect. These, they're called heroes of our faith, but they weren't Perfect, and nowhere even close to that. They struggled with lust and greed and addiction and envy and all the other sins that we struggle with today. Yet we're to look at them, not to excuse our similar sins, not to be like, well, they did it and they're a hero of the faith, so I guess I can do it. No, we're not to look at them to excuse our similar sins, but to strengthen our faith as we look to their faith despite their struggles. As we look to their faith, despite what they struggled with. So as we look to these instructions to run free of the sins and the other things that are getting in the way of our lives, of living a Christ-centered life, the key is our faith. Not in ourselves, not in anything of this world, but our faith in Jesus. Because if we truly have faith that Jesus is who he says that he is, then that faith should lead to a desire to live a life that he has called us to. And this life he has called us to is one that is centered, that is foundational to relying on him every single day and not ourselves. A fun fact about me, and this might not surprise any of you if you know me, uh, but I am not good with tools whatsoever. I actually got a toolkit uh, at, a, at a couple's wedding shower, and my family actually laughed out loud in front of everybody because they're like, he's not going to know what to do with any of that. But another fun fact is that I'm also incredibly stubborn. And so if you combine not being good with tools and being incredibly stubborn, that is not a good combination for anybody. And so when Sarah Beth and I, we moved into our first house uh, after we got married, obviously, and we started to get settled, and it came time to decorate. It came time to decorate the house, all the pillows and things. Apparently, there's a basket, and I was like, what goes in that basket? And she goes, no, it goes on the wall. And I was like, why does a basket go on a wall? But anyways, stuff you find out when you get married. But when it came time to decorate, it came time to put this shelf up on our wall. And so being the man of the house now, I felt like that it was my job 
to hang this shelf, to get my new toolkit out and hang this shelf up on the wall. Even though my resume with tools was limited to maybe using a hammer a couple times on a mission trip, which was probably quickly taken away from me when they realized how bad I was. But when it came time to get the shelf up, though, I said, I got this. It's just a shelf. It can't be that hard. So I got the shelf. I lined up the first hole, drilled a hole in the wall or screw in the wall and got the shelf and kind of eyeballed the second one. That's close enough and drilled that. Took a step back. Was so proud of myself because I just hung a shelf. Took a step back. Crooked. So, meanwhile, the whole time SB, she's offering advice. She's being very patient. Um, I don't know how. She has levels. She has rulers. All the stuff that I should have been using to hang this shelf. But I was too stubborn. I was like, no, I got this. I was too stubborn to admit that I needed help. So I unscrewed one of the screws and I tried again. Took a step back. Other way. Still crooked. So, finally, after putting several holes in our wall, I said, well, you know what, maybe I do need that level. <laughs> maybe I do need that ruler. Maybe they could possibly help. And I finally accepted the help, and I got the shelf put up nice and level. The problem was that me trying to do it myself just resulted in further frustration and further damage to our poor wall in our first house. And for many of us, this is us trying to deal with our sin and our struggle all by ourselves instead of just turning it over to Jesus. If you are ever going to properly deal with the sin that you struggle with, you need to first admit that you can't do it by yourself. In James 4, 6 through 7, he writes, but, give, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. If as I'm reading this verse, you're like, this verse isn't for me, this verse is definitely for you. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I don't care how great that you think you are. I don't care how smart that you think you are. I don't care how creative that you might be. Despite all of that, you will never be able to fix your sin on your own. So it's time to humble yourself. It is time to humble yourself and admit that you need Jesus, not just to forgive you of your sins, but so that you can overcome them and so that you can better live for him, not for yourself. I could have made far less holes in my wall and made a much smaller mess if I would have just accepted that I needed help. And many in this room would make far less mistakes in your walk with the Lord if you just finally admitted that you need help and that you can't do it by yourself and that you need to surrender control to Jesus. But for some reason, we continue to be content, me, inclu me included. We continue to be content in making a bigger mess. We continue to think that we can clean it up on our own. But I want to make sure you hear today that you will never, ever, Truly find freedom from the problems of your sin until you turn every struggle, every battle, and every temptation over to Jesus. It is time for us in this room to begin to run free. But in order to run free, we have to be able to run focused. That's our second point today. We have to be able to run focused. Focused on who? Focused on what? Focused on Christ. Focused on Christ. 
several summers, we took a group of our students to work alongside an amazing ministry down there called Hope Through Him. And one important thing to know about Honduras is that during the summer, uh, it's hot. During the summer, it is very hot in Honduras. Not Tennessee hot, not even Florida hot. There is a Honduras hot that is just awful. It is hot and it is humid, which is one of the worst combinations known to man, to be both hot and humid at the same time. So because of the heat, because of the humidity, something we would reiterate over and over and over before and during the trip, other than put on sunscreen, was that multiple times a day, it is important for you to drink lots of water to stay hydrated. But no matter how many times we would say this, every year, it never failed. There would be a few team members that would get sick in the middle of the day and have to sit uh, in the bus and get cooled down and get some fluids in them. And typically, when somebody gets sick, one of the first questions we would ask was, well, how much water have you drank today? And typically, the answers were, well, not a lot. Or, I mean, I had a glass with breakfast this morning, so I thought that I was doing pretty good. And so despite multiple reminders, despite multiple water jugs available at the house and multiple water jugs everywhere we went to serve, these students and these leaders who were getting sick from being dehydrated, which included me a couple times, we chose to think that a small cup of water the day before or the morning of was going to be enough to get, make us hydrated throughout the whole day, when in reality we needed to be drinking water constantly, all day every day while we were there. The sad reality, y'all, in the church is that too many of us are spiritually dehydrated. If you really look into your heart and examine your own heart, you can see that you might be spiritually dehydrated. Too many of us in the room think that our simple two-minute devotion in the morning is enough Jesus to get us through the entire day, when in reality, it's nowhere close. Too many of us think that coming to church for an hour or two a week is enough Jesus to get us through the entire week when it's not. Too many of us are often spiritually dehydrated because we're deceived into thinking that we just need a little bit of Jesus once a week or at the beginning or end of each day. When in reality, we need him all day, every day, throughout the day. If someone is dehydrated, do you look immediately at how much water they consume? And the answer is, yep, I didn't drink enough water. But Christians, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel defeated and tired and weary, how many of us are honest enough in those moments to say, yep, I'm feeling like this, maybe, and it's maybe connected to the fact that I found myself far from Jesus today, or this week, or this month, or the past several years. But even if your answer is, you know what, I'm, I'm trying my best. I am trying to draw near to Jesus. I am in the word every day. I am spending time in prayer all day throughout the day. And I still feel like this. The good news for you is that in either of those situations or circumstances, there is still hope and there is still joy that can be found in Christ. And so as we pick back up in the second part of verse 1. The author writes, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. So if our freedom from our sin is found in our faith, we are to keep our eyes and focus on the pioneer and the creator of our faith, which as we see here is Jesus. And as the passage says, he's also the perfecter. Really important to remember that he is the perfecter of our faith. Only in him, in him alone, is your faith made perfect. It can't be 50% faith in Jesus and 50% faith in yourself. It can't be 99.9% faith in Jesus and 0.1% faith in yourself. Because you will always eventually fail and let you down. You will always fail and let you down, but Jesus never does and never will. I think that's why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, but he said to me, this is Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of who? Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Y'all, this life is hard. This life stinks sometimes. But as we look to Jesus for how we're supposed to endure and make it through each day, we can see that in the midst of hardship, joy can be found. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know about you, but being brutally beaten and hung on a cross and crucified doesn't sound like the most joyful experience. But Jesus had joy in the midst of it because he knew what was coming. He knew the bigger picture. And while we're not God and don't always know everything ahead of us in this life, what is always certain is Jesus and the hope that he gives us now and the eternity that awaits us. So when you get laid off, joy is possible. When you get earth-shattering news or a bad phone call, joy is possible. When you get that unexpected diagnosis, joy is possible. And it appears everything in your life is in shambles and falling apart. Joy is possible. Because in those moments, when you feel weak and when you feel helpless, Jesus is there to provide the strength that you need every single time. It might not be how you want it. It might not be how you ask for it. But it will always be how The end of his passage authorized for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Y'all, our joy in Jesus should never be dictated by how hard our life is going. Our joy in Jesus should never be dictated by how hard our life is going. We have a God that didn't quit on us, that doesn't quit on us. So please don't quit on us. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel that he's there, God is still on your throne and he is still in control. So run free 
in faith amid the sins and the pain of this world and run focused on Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, finding your joy in him. Well, I know it's just an analogy. I find it ironic that the passage of Hebrews that the Lord would uh, have me speak on this morning would be one on running. Because I don't know if you're one of these people, but I personally hate running. I do not like running at all. In college, I adopted a life motto, actually, about running, that I do not run unless I'm being chased. I do not run unless I'm being chased. And so, if you are near me and you see me running, you better run too. Because something's either about to eat us or hurt us or something bad is about to happen. But despite how much I dislike running, I have so much respect for those who run 5Ks and 10Ks and triathlons and marathons and all this stuff because of all the hard work and the prep that goes into this. Because of all the hard work and prep that goes into running a marathon, I know that it's hard. And while I know, or I personally have never run in one, obviously, um, I know that throughout the race, there are stations just like this one with cups, of wa- with cups and people handing out water to the marathon runners as they go. Because obviously as they're running many miles, they're going to need to be refueled. They're going to need to be rehydrated. They're going to need more water. But I want you to imagine that instead of water, you're running a marathon, and instead of water, you get to those stations, and in the cup, as you're expecting water, is actually chocolate milk. You probably wouldn't be too happy, would you? If you're running, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're ready for that cold glass of water to get you refueled and rehydrated, and they give you a cup of chocolate milk, because nobody wants to run even a mile full of chocolate milk in their stomach, much less a 5K or 13 miles or 26 point whatever miles full of chocolate milk. The chocolate milk would just make it harder. It would make it challenging for multiple reasons. And the water is actually what they need to make it through the race. Y'all, we have a choice and choices every single day of what we fill ourselves with. So as I wrap up, I want to just ask you, what are you filling yourself with each day? Not just in the morning, but also in the afternoon, and in the evening, and all the times in between. Because in the morning, guys, we have a choice of what we're gonna fill ourselves with. Are we going to choose social media to fill ourselves up with all morning? Are we going to fill maybe some selfish time choices in the morning and excuses for why we can't get in the word and pray? Are we going to fill ourselves with just these preconceived opinions and and notions of what others are going to be thinking about us the rest of the day? Is that what we're filling ourselves with in the morning or are we filling ourselves with Jesus? And in the afternoon, you have choices. We all do of what we're filling ourselves with. Are you going to fill yourself with gossip? Are you going to fill yourself with more social media? Are you going to fill yourself with jealousy or stress at work and at school? Are you going to fill yourself with comparison all day long? Or are you going to choose to fill yourself with Jesus? And then after a hard day, I know the days are hard. What are you filling yourselves with? Is it that glass of wine that nobody knows about? Is it binge watching TV shows? Is it cable news that you just can't get enough of? 
is it even more social media? Or is Jesus the choice? Because y'all, chocolate milk in and of itself isn't necessarily bad. I love a cold glass of chocolate milk occasionally. But if you drink a ton of this all day, every day, throughout the day, and you've ignored the water, you shouldn't be surprised when you feel awful at the end of the day. You shouldn't be surprised that this choice led to bigger issues. And y'all, social media and TV and work and school and doing things you love are not necessarily bad things. But if it's all you're consuming and you're neglecting time with the Lord and being filled with him, you shouldn't be surprised when you feel awful at the end of the day and far from Jesus. You shouldn't be surprised when those choices of being filled with that led to bigger issues. If you're going to run free, if you're going to run focused, if we're going to go through each day with endurance, as the author is talking about in this passage, we need to be choosing Jesus, not just in the morning, not just at night, not just in the time in the afternoon, but all day, every day, throughout the day. Because we're not promised this life will be easy, but we're promised a Savior who's there walking with us every step of the way. In the book of John 4.14, Jesus says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. How beautiful is that? But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There is hope and joy found in Jesus. I can't say that enough throughout this whole message. There is hope and joy found in Jesus. Let's find our freedom in him. Let's stay focused on him. Let's run free and let's run focused. We move into a time of response and invitation. I would just ask if everyone in your room could just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Not because there's something magical about this or super spiritual about closing your eyes. The band is going to head back up. But just to eliminate the distractions that might be around you. Maybe on your phone that you might be on right now. Maybe what you're thinking of, the, the lunch to prepare this afternoon, whatever it is. If you could just close your eyes right now and ask the Lord. Say, let me focus on you right now during this time of response. Let me make this response time all about you. So I'm going to ask right now, for the believer in this room, maybe you need to spend some time examining what sins and struggles you're holding on to. That you just need to hand over to the Lord so that you can finally, maybe for the first time in a long time, run free. And for others that were honest enough to say, you know what, I'm spiritually hydrated. When I examine my heart, I can see that I am filling myself up every day with so many other things other than Jesus. And I need him. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with filling your schedule and your heart and your life with so much other than Jesus. And you just need to spend this time asking the Lord. Clean with him for you to have better attention to him for you to have better focus on him as believers we could all spend time there is no one who is exempt from either of those situations in this room all of us could be praying for both of these things because we all fall short none of us are perfect 
So spend this time praying for yourself, praying for your loved ones, that they would turn their eyes to Jesus, that they would be filled with the Lord each day. And maybe there's some in this room who are believers, that you've confessed Jesus as Lord, but you've not done the very first thing that he's commanded you to do upon your salvation, and that is to be baptized. And if that is you, I would pray that you take that step of obedience this morning, that you would come, that you would talk to a leader, and that you would say, I am ready to follow in obedience to the Lord and be baptized. Because delayed obedience, y'all, is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We want to be obedient to what the Lord is calling us to do. And for a believer, that very first step upon our salvation is baptism. So whether you are 10 or 90, if you are a believer and you have not been baptized, I would pray that you come forward this morning and talk to one of these leaders that's going to be up front. And I would ask believers around the room as you continue to pray, pray for yourself, pray for those you love. But even as I move on to talk to a different group of people, that you continue to still have this time between you and the Lord. Because finally, there's another group in this room that I would like to talk to, and that's those that have never given their life to Christ. And maybe there's someone in this room that you would say that you are ready to find freedom from the sins and the struggles that you deal with. And today, you have recognized that that can only be found in Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to know that God loves you. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care what you did this morning. God loves you. He loves you so much that even though your sins separate you from God, he sent Jesus to this earth to die on the cross as the penalty for your sins. And he rose three days later so that we can have hope and eternal life. So right now in your seat, you can ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And I can't do that for you. There is no magical prayer that I can say that can save you. But you can, in this moment, have a conversation between you and God. Between just you and God. Your heart surrendered to him. You can say, God, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I know that I mess up daily and I need you. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe that Savior is you, Jesus. And I'm ready to turn from how I've been living my life, and I'm turning today to follow you. I surrender my life to you now, Jesus, and every day for the rest of my life. If in that moment, time of response, you prayed something like that to the Lord, I would hope that you would come down, that you would be unashamed, that you would talk to a leader up front. It's time for all of us in the room, for those watching online, to stop running from God, and it's time for us to start running to him and for him, free God, we thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you that we can get into your word, that we can have freedom, Lord, in you. So, Lord, let us focus on you as we walk every single day. No matter what happens, no matter what challenges we face, Lord, let us surrender to you. Because you are worthy, God. You rescued us. You have saved us. So let us make this life about you. Be all in for you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Amen. Stand and respond to him.